Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. 106 in Edmonton. It's a game night. The Edmonton Oilers and the LA Kings. Second time the two teams have met in the last week. Kings the lowest scoring team in the NHL. The Oilers have dropped to 27th. But they have improved their defense. They're now 20th uh, defensively in the league. Second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. You can now buy your PCs from Digitex. Keep it all under one roof, one number to call, one simple invoice for all your technology needs. Hugh Porter and the gang at Digitex. You can text us on our Heartland Ford text line. Don't buy a new or pre-owned Ford without giving Heartland a chance. Experience the difference of Heartland Ford today. We are going to head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline as every Thursday at 105 in Oilers Now. Brian Burt joins us from NHL Hockey and Rogers and Sportsnet, longtime NHL executive, courtesy of our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. Brian, how you doing? Good, Bob. How are you? Uh, not bad, not bad. Hey, I got to ask you, because you worked for the league before, what have you thought of uh, video review and its uh, deployment so far? We had an incident the other night where, uh, man, it looked it looked really like the Oilers had scored a goal and uh, was not ruled to be the case. And is there a flaw in the system does the official who makes the initial call have too much of an impetus? Give me your thoughts on that. Well, first off, we were slow to go to replay, as they were in all of pro sports, because our most important customer has always been the guy who's got his butt in a seat, and we were worried about slowing down the game. So we were very slow to, insti- to instigate any or initiate any kind of replay. Baseball, same thing. Football, same thing. Basketball, same thing. Terrified. Baseball went to it slowly. We went to it slowly. Um, I think it's worked terrifically overall. You get the coach's challenge. You get automatic review of certain goals. Um, It's never going to be perfect because it's a full-contact sport with flying bodies. And no matter where we put cameras, we'll never get every call right. But I think it's been a tremendous success. I saw that the play you're talking about is watching that game. It sure looked to me like it was in. Well, it did, and, and here's where I'm going to go with this. You said uh, probably second or third uh, hit that you did with us. Bob, make no mistake, good teams get calls. And, I mean, I hey, Brian, I'm from Edmonton. I watched the early Oilers, uh, uh, 80s Oilers. When they'd play teams like the Islanders, they didn't get a lot of calls by the late 80s. You know, they got more calls than Boston did in 88 and 90. I need to, you know, we need to remind fans of that. And... I just think some, there's been a couple, obviously the Anaheim series a couple years ago, the Oilers had three one-goal losses in that series, and you can't blow a 3-0 lead in the final five minutes in any game. But they had a couple calls go against them. And so our fan base, and believe me, they have enough to be upset with given the lack of traction the organization's had under, uh, you know, since getting Conor McDavid. But they're a little bit rattled when it comes to video review. And my theory is sometimes the officials, like, 
you ought to be a thousand percent sure you're going to overrule a ref on a call. And and there's, do you think there's some ego involved in it sometimes? Or, I mean, they've tried to work away from that, haven't they? Taken that sort of out of the mix as well over the last couple of years. Well, you're looking for more than one villain on that question. You're, the question is, Bob, is there bias in the system? Second question is, is there ego in the system? So let me go one by one. I don't think there's, Brian, I don't think there's bias. Let's establish that right now. Okay. I, I would say, when I say good teams get calls, I mean on the ice. Yeah. And I mean they, they earn them. We got, we got calls when we got to be an elite team. We got calls. And Detroit got calls when we were not an elite team. And, and you earn that. No problem with that. I'm not talking about the NHL front office. Yeah. When they review these goals, I think the issue was the puck was on edge. On TV, we probably saw one view that yep. showed it was clearly over, and they had another view that showed it didn't go over. There's no way they would flaunt a, a, a direct observation. I've been in the video room. I've been in the, the situation room. They try to get everything right, frantically try to get everything right. Right. And I haven't asked the league, but I will now before I come on with you next week. I'm sure they can show me a view where it's not all the way over. Do you think there's any concern that they're too corrective with the officials? Well, I think there should be a time limit. It, it, to me, I don't mind them overruling the officials. Uh, and that's, I actually think some linesmen are calling offsides now that aren't offside, so they don't get reversed, which really aggravates me. But um, <laughs> I don't think there's. I think there should be a three-minute time limit. Again, the most important fan to us has always been someone who bought a ticket. They sit through 11-minute reviews. I don't get it. Like, if they can't, we used to not have it. So let's start with, it's like police officers never had tasers. Now they have tasers, and when they use them, people complain. I'm like, well, let's take the tasers away then. I want to go back to the old way, where the choice was walk away or, or shoot somebody. I'd rather put the taser in. Same thing here. I'd rather get as many calls right as I can, but if it gets to three minutes, the call on the ice stands. All right, Brian Birch. Uh, you know what? Uh, there's way too much rationale and logic in your time limit theory for me to argue. Uh, that totally makes sense to me as well. Brian, uh, how hard is it for a general manager who has not, never been a head coach at the level because we've, we've, we've had an evolution. Used to be... You know, like Glenn Sather was GM head coach, and a lot of a lot of head coaches eventually did become general managers. But now we have a different type of GM. You yourself were never a head coach at the NHL level, and and I wonder is is it more difficult for those GMs to push for their guys to play if they haven't coached before? Well, you know, Glenn and I had that discussion one time over a bunch of beer, and and the coaches will tell you. The GMs that served as head coaches interfere and meddle way more than guys like me. And, and to the detriment of the organization, where the coach will be, you know, I, I think you should have played these guys together. And I would never go down and tell my coach that. I'd say, here's a couple of things you could think about. So Mark Crawford told me, he said, you're the best boss I ever had because I interfered the least. You know, and that he's worked for some pretty good GMs. But I, I think... There's a temptation if you coach before to assume that you have superior, for sure equal, but maybe superior knowledge and you want to meddle more. And too many cooks usually doesn't work. So uh, I think the guys, the GMs that never coach, the one advantage we have is we stay out of the way more. We stay out of the kitchen more. Brian Burke joining us in Oilers now, longtime NHL executive. 
now doing work with NHL Hockey and Rogers and Sportsnet. Brian, Ron Hextall, somewhat to me, surprisingly, relieved of his duties earlier this week uh, as general manager. Now, I don't profess uh, to know the Philly situation inside and out. Uh, Chris Knobloch, I've known him for 20 years. He's an assistant coach there, a young guy, did an unbelievable job in Erie, first uh, junior coach to have four straight 50-plus win seasons. But again, I'm not, but one of the stories I read was that Ron was too, I guess for the lack of a better term, close to Levesque and was not inclusive enough of some of the executives, maybe even executives not technically on the hockey operations side. How delicate of a balance is that for a manager? Have you had, and not to get in to open the kimono too much from a business perspective, but some similar experiences along the way as well? Sure. You've got, well, first off, I really believe for a team to be successful, there cannot be a firewall between the business side and the hockey sides. In other words, you've got to interact with those people. If you're a GM in Canada, you're an icon. They can use you to help sell tickets and suites and advertising. So our business guys on all my teams felt free to come down and say, okay, I'm having trouble selling a suite. Can you meet this guy and talk to him? Um, that's different than the business guy coming down and saying, uh, I think we should do this with the goaltender. Um, and no GM can or should tolerate that. I mean, you, but you've got to manage up. You know, you've got a team president. You've got a president of hockey operations on some team. You've got to manage up. Those people have to be in the loop and have to be generally supportive. You know, when, it, when I was in Calgary, Brad Trilling had to tell me what was going on, and we both had to keep Ken King in the loop. But Ken was pretty supportive. You know, he was like, okay, if that's what you want to do, let's, we'll get ownership on the phone because it involves some money, and we'll do it. Or if it didn't involve a lot of money, you'd say, go ahead and do it, and I'll report back later. But you got to manage up. Everyone has the boss. So that kind of comes with the territory. We're joined by Brian Burke. Uh, regarding Philadelphia, doesn't it? I don't mean that it's ever simple, but Brian, When's the last time they had a goaltender? For all the talent that they've had, the money they've spent in free agency over the years, and they've been in on everybody. Um, part one, has their most significant challenge been in between the pipes? And number two, do you think maybe a byproduct of the, 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 of the changing times worked against Ron Hextall here because the Flyers have lost a little bit of that identity? You know, they've always sort of been a tough physical hockey club, and they don't play that way anymore. Well, that's a that's a conscientious decision by a couple a couple general managers, you know, starting with Paul and going right through. I mean, they had their first fight. They were the last team in the NHL to have a fighting major this year, and then the guy lost the fight to a Swede. How does that work? <laughs> so it's, they've gotten away from that. There are teams in our league that still play hard. Anaheim still plays hard. Although they had their first fight, I think, the game before that. But, I mean, Tom Wilson, Washington's big, Winnipeg's big. I still think there's value to that, even though less and less value to it. So I don't know how you hang that on Hextall. I don't know how you hang that on Hextall, the coach. Um, organizationally, I mean, it's a it's a problem. Like, like, it was not a problem for me in Anaheim because Randy Carlisle, Bob Murray, and I all wanted exactly the same team. Exactly the same team. So we never had any fights over personnel. 
it's different when the coaches say, look, I want to, I got to dress toughness. I'm playing with 11 guys. I'd rather dress 12. Yep. And, and you know, you say, well, if we're going to fire you, if you don't win, we better let you pick the team. Next thing you know, you're dressing a, a pure skill lineup and you got flag football out there. So there, there's a lot of flag football in our league right now. There's too much of it. There's games where there's not enough serious hitting for me. Not in the Central Division. That is like the Southeastern Conference in NCAA football, Brian. Yeah, that yeah. That is big boy hockey. They still, yeah, like, it, when you watch Nashville against Winnipeg, they pounded the living snot out of each other last year in that series. Right, and there's, and there's enough flashes. I, I'm not saying the game's in trouble this way. There's enough flashes and enough teams that still like to bang that the playoffs restored my faith. I was worried about where we were going last year until the playoffs. And then that restored my faith. I'm like, okay, we still got our roots in the right part of the soil here. How difficult is it, Brian, uh, to you mentioned the type of teams you had in Anaheim, and I'm thinking, and look, I know what Calgary's record was against Anaheim over the years. Uh, you know, the Anaheim Ducks, the last three times they played the Edmonton Oilers, this is not including the 3 nothing comeback in the 17 playoffs. The last three times Anaheim has played Edmonton, they've scored two goals in the final minute in one game. They scored a goal with about 90 seconds left in another game with the empty net. And then on Friday afternoon, in a in a game which the Oilers played pretty effectively in discipline, oh, what a surprise, under Ken Hitchcock, uh, the Ducks scored with 17 seconds left. You know, th- this coming, of course, off the heels of the 17 playoffs where the Ducks scored three goals in the final five minutes. Do some teams just have other teams' numbers? I mean, the Ducks are, are a more experienced team, and they're probably... And you look at your own Flames team that you had. You guys, I think, went over, I don't know, 17, 18 games in a row where you couldn't win in Anaheim. Why does that happen in sport? I, I don't know, but it was 17, 18 years, 12 years. Yeah. I mean, it, there, there were guys on our team that, that were playing peewee hockey last time we won in their barn. So definitely it's like we could never, when I ran the Leafs, we could never beat Buffalo. And my last couple of years in Anaheim, we couldn't beat Edmonton. So, no, there's teams that have your number. We tried everything in Toronto. We went down the night before, stayed in the hotel. We left the morning of the game. We left the afternoon of the game. We went down two nights before, I think, one time. Like We tried. We switched hotels. We changed our warm-up. We changed our meal. <laughs> I was about to bring in a witch doctor. Anything, eh? Anything to change it. Look, it we've never crazy. we've never asked you this. Who was your favorite player growing up as a kid? My favorite. I lived in Boston for one year when I was a kid, and I, I managed to see one Bruins game. Then I got to see him play a couple more times. So the guy that I loved best was Bobby Orr. But I, I grew up playing hockey in Minnesota, and there were some really – they had some good teams. You know, I really liked Bill Goldsworthy. I really liked Lou Nanny and then became a good friend to lose. Um, but I again, I didn't start playing hockey. This is a, to- a topic for another show. I didn't start playing hockey till I was thirteen, so I don't have any pictures of me playing pee wee. My first year of hockey was Bantam. I don't. Have, I didn't dream of playing in pro hockey or working in the NHL. This all came very late to me. Were you in uh, Were you in Minnesota in the early nineteen eighties? Uh, I was in law school in the early nineteen eighties. Then practicing law in Boston. Okay, because I was. I was just to me. And I, and I got to tell you, I worry about the Oilers with the same sort of thing. I mean, you know, Minnesota benefited from the collaboration of two NHL organizations, and they had, 
I mean, that, 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 you know, they had Bobby Smith and Al McAdam and Steve Payne and uh, Hartsburg, and, and they had a, 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 you know, I remember Ken Solheim, who was a big scorer out of the WHL. Yeah. I thought that team would have been capable of more in the early to mid-1980s, and it never really came to fruition with that group. Now, of course, the Oilers in Calgary were over in the Smythe, and they were just better, you know, from 83 to 90, geez, all the way to, what, 92, one of those two teams won the Smythe division every year. But did you ever, you know, I mean, Minnesota, that team I thought might have been able to do more than they did. Yeah, they went to the finals once and almost got there, but they uh, they they underachieved ultimately. I agree with that. Good stuff. We will get you to tell a story uh, maybe the next couple of weeks about how you got started in the game. And uh, thanks again for your time. And if we, if we can, uh, if you can somehow find uh, a a actual video snippet of what the league saw, I would gladly take it and distribute it because that was a, uh, I mean, fortunately the Oilers still won the game, but that, you know, it's uh it's a tough enough go here and you can well imagine there's a lot of pressure in this market right now for this team to turn the corner. Absolutely. I can assure you of one thing. Justice is blind at the NHL. <laughs> Some might say so are the officials sometimes. That's uh, another... That, that... That covers a lot of ground when you think about it. It does. Hey, Brian, thanks for your time. Thanks, Bob. Take you, care. You bet. From NHL Hockey and Rogers, that is Brian Burke. It is 123 in Edmonton. We will take a quick timeout. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 126 in Edmonton, the Bakersfield Condor is in action. One of those uh, afternoon games for the kids down in Bakehope. They're through two periods. Ontario, that's LA's farm team. Two power play goals. They lead Bakersfield 2-1 after two. Do you want to tell you that guests on our show receive gift cards to the Japanese Village? Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Japanese Village, Edmonton South, downtown, north side, and Sherwood Park. Do some texts, and you can text us at 630, 630 on our Heartland Ford text line. Out of Bonneville, Rick says, Bob, Brian Burke is a beauty. Good hit. Again, you can text us at 630, 630. Bob, it sounds like you approve of big boy hockey, except when somebody hits an oiler. Well, you're entitled to that uh, that opinion. Bob, SEC football, big boy football, especially when playing top-ranked teams like the Citadel and Arkansas State. Are we really having this conversation about Alabama this year for the Alabama hater? Rugged from Saskatoon says, I got a question, Bob. If Hitch can get Leon to play a mean game more often than not, would he become the number one power forward in the entire National Hockey League? Thanks from Rugged in Saskatoon. Uh, I I do think that Hitch is pushing Leon, and for that matter, Connor McDavid, to play a little bit differently. Short-term pain, long-term gain, because I do think there will be greater offense coming as the Oilers get a little bit more acclimatized to the uh, the nuance of a slightly different defensive system that uh, Ken Hitchcock is coaching. This text comes in out of Grand Prairie. Bob, the Oilers are missing something. If the Oilers had Gallagher, we'd never have issues with getting going again. I also wonder if the Sharks wouldn't be interested in Clefbaum and Pugliarvi for Brett Burns. Uh, well, I, hey, it's hard not to like Brendan Gallagher. He goes to the paint, goes to the front of the net. That's why he scores goals. Uh, the Oilers couldn't do the deal that you're suggesting because it would be too much cap space for Edmonton. In Texas at 630, 630. 
off to a uh, hey Bob uh, Brian Burke is a great guest this out of Red Deer love his insight when does his book come out I don't know maybe we'll have to ask him off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell when we come back John Rosen he's the LA Kings insider Oilers now with Bob Stoffer weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio 6:30 Chad